listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking about the engaged and newlywed seasons of marriage. So excited for this topic. It's a listener-requested show. I have a special surprise guest coming on a little later in the show, and you can probably guess who that is, the tail end of the show. But either way, it's a surprise fun guest. So just for a bit, but just for fun, just a little cameo. And we have a great show today because we have so many of you who are in this season where you're like, okay, we just got married or I'm thinking about marriage or remarriage, or I just need a brush up on some basic marriage tips. This is for you today. I am thinking of you guys and we have been celebrating marriage weddings on the Enneagram and marriage page. And it's been so fun to see you guys share your types and how that played into your wedding ceremonies and your special days. And I was especially moved by those of you who are dealing with just not having your whole family there through the COVID wedding times. One bride even had her father FaceTime walk her down the aisle while the father-in-law held up the iPad. I just was almost in tears. I actually did have tears at that. It was so moving and it also forced me to see how love has carried us through so much of COVID. And and that was a good stopping and going back and looking to see all the beautiful stories. And then some of your stories went back years. And one person told me, oh my gosh, I saw my mom's story on there. So I was so excited and thankful. It also really got me digging in the past, which as some of you know, being the forward future thinking assertive aggressive type, I really didn't plan to do. That's not something I almost ever plan to do. It's not always comfortable for me. And it was really healthy for me. I got to go back with tears in my eyes and look at my own wedding video and photos. So we all shared those. And like I said, don't forget to look in the highlights. Don't forget to go to the Instagram for your weddings and you'll see a bunch of different styles. We're all so different. I love your themes. It's a very creative group. Let's put it that way. I also want to let you guys know that if you didn't catch last week's episode on the Gottman work we did, I have been having so much fun with my clients this week trying to get that incorporated into their work again. I'm doing more Gottman work with Wes again. So it's been a real joy to welcome in the research-based approach to marriage satisfaction. So don't forget that. And just going through the first love map section of Gottman's book that we are we're talking about last week, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, was a real eye-opener for my own marriage because I know that I am intentional daily with Wes, but there are things that I forget to check in about. And But really saying, I care. I deeply want to know. I want to be that person who's emotionally invested in what you're doing each day. And that can be very hard for some of us, including myself. So seeing these questions was actually super healthy for me too. So I hope you'll grab that book and or just listen to that episode and you can look up Gottman Strategies and get back to that And briefly, I'll share, we are on top of a lot of GLOW episodes. I have several couples coming on the next few weeks to talk about their Enneagram GLOW relationships. So I have about six or seven different couples through the month of March and April to do that. So I hope if you like the pairing episodes where you get to really hear from a couple, that you will tune into those. So 
I'll let you know what we're going to cover today because I think it's relevant in terms of those of you who sometimes say, I like to fast forward to get to my section. We're going to cover newlywed times together type by type in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I'm going to give us some very basic principles and stories about marriage. So a bit about our wedding story is that we got engaged in July of 2000 in San Diego on Mission Beach. And it was so much fun. And then we got married June 21st of 2001, which makes this year our 20 year anniversary. So we are so excited. And you'll hear a little later about what we're planning to do. But we're still at the beginning stages of it and it's COVID time, so we'll see. But um, but that's this June. So we are excited about that. But our wedding was a wonderful time. I got to plan every detail. I love planning. That is very fun for a seven wing six because we want to plan every detail and we want it to be sparkling and joyful. So it was all of those things. And of course, I'm an idealist. So I'm remembering that with the glass half full, but it really was the best day. And I know that's cliche, but I hope that's how your wedding is if it's upcoming. And the best advice I always gave in those days when I was going to a lot of weddings was enjoy the planning. It's really fun. The journey is where it's at. The wedding goes by quickly. So try to have fun on the planning, but then really try to create an evening and an event that is actually also fun for you. And even when I do our Valentine's dances with my counseling center at our local Pier 22 restaurant, I always try to make sure the planning is done so that I can have a partially fun night too. Because sometimes you have to still be the one to do a lot of the detail work, or maybe you're going to give a little talk or something, but you want to make sure that you always include a time of replenishment for yourself if it's a special event. And I can't think of a better day to do that for your than for your own wedding. So I made sure to plan every detail. I did make sure to include Wes on the things he cared about. And I did make sure to fight for what was very important for me. And I tried to be less bridezilla, more caring spouse. But of course, that's a word to the wise. Make sure you're really balanced there because I can't tell you how many sessions I've had where people are like, I'm still hurt from the wedding because X, Y, Z. And oftentimes that X, Y, Z is filled in with I'm really hurt because they didn't include me. And it's often the groom saying that. So you'd be surprised everyone cliches it that guys don't care at all, but they do. Even Wes said the other day, he wishes that we had spent more time with our parents because we were a little bit lax on that and really more friends and who are our college friends we wanted to invite. And you think more in terms of legacy as you get older. And so he's like, gosh, we weren't always that honoring to our parents. And I wish we had been more. And I totally agree, especially since mine are gone now. And I'm really glad one thing we did, which was really really cool was we had a special dance for those who had been married a certain amount of years. And then we were like, who's been married this long, this long, this long. And the only people left standing out there, I think were my parents and one other couple, cause they were married 41 years total, not by then, but, um, but until their death. And so it was really special. And so there were moments where we honored others where there were moments where we were just focusing in on that first dance to edit James at last. And we just had a ball. We had somebody playing Spanish guitar that Wes had changed the lyrics of a Charlotte Church song, My Log and Love, as I walked down the aisle. We just incorporated a lot of love into the ceremony and into the reception. But for me as a seven, the reception was so much more fun. And the vulnerability at the wedding was very special and very important. 
but it was more fun at the reception, of course, as you can imagine. And the last thing I want to say about our wedding, because I think this is relevant to you guys, is don't expect that there won't be hard moments. And I hope that you will allow those to be just beginning things that you need to work on because marriage is very hard work. So don't come into it thinking the wedding was great, the marriage is going to be great. Yes, that's probably true in both cases, but the wedding has little moments and you're going to see little triggers for what the marriage is going to be like. So if it's really toxic, I do want you to work on that with a professional to see if it's the right marriage for you. But I also want you to understand that life comes with hard things, ups and downs. And one of our hard things was that somebody with a lot of trauma on my husband's side was upset about him leaving the family unit and stole all of our cameras on the tables. And so we had put cameras on every table. This is, of course, pre-smartphone, but now my daughters love their Polaroids. And we had my sister run up, who's a three, of course, and willing to like fight for me. And she's like, I saw the person who stole them and I confronted them, but they denied it. And so it was, you know, several people actually on my husband's side who stole them. And so I had to really sit with that because, you know, that wasn't my culture. And my mom was a daughter of the American Revolution. And my dad had been to Ivy League grad school and I was raised to think, differently. And I wasn't raised with that much trauma. I did have a lot. Trust me. If you heard my full story, which you kind of can piece it together through this podcast, between mental health issues and anger issues, there was a lot, but it was different. There was a lot more trauma that was every day. I'm trying to say this in a way that is honoring. Let me just put it this way. There was a lot more trauma. And that way everyone can understand there's no anger in the sense of unforgiveness anymore but there's an understanding that people were doing the best they could. And that is something that took me a long time to realize because you do sort of go, oh my gosh, that's a villain. And especially young brides and bridesmaids can just kind of lament together. And lamentation is an important part of life as we've talked about. Um, But that is something I want you to consider with your wedding is, you know, expect that people's personalities and egos are going to get in the way and expect that you're going to have to decide if your love can weather that storm and whether you can be strong and gracious in that. And I also don't want you to stop fighting for what's right because we've had so much of that that we've had to really set a lot of boundaries over the years. And you can expect that even as I give you all these tips for marriage and newlyweds and type by type, you can't expect that all of this is going to go really smoothly and that your spouse is going to be on board with all of it. They're used to the system they've been in. It works for them. It's functional and it's safe. So you're going to be working on what is your subtype? How do you get through that? Don't forget the subtype episode for this where you decide, okay, I'm self preserving or I'm social or I'm a one-to-one person. And if you and your spouse are both that way, then that's great. But sometimes um, even if you're both the same, you still may have a different vein where one of you says, I'm a social subtype and it's with friends. And the other says, I'm a social subtype, but it's with family. So you still have tweaking to do. Everyone has work to do. Of course, I have affection for certain pairings, but all 45 pairings of these glows are are hard and have work to do. And the subtypes and innuendos and wings that we bring in, we just have to admit it sometimes that um, we have to lie in the beds we made and do it with as much grace as we can if we're going to do marriage. And I'm not forcing you into marriage. I'm not forcing you guys to stay married if it's a toxic situation, but I do want you to understand the work that goes in. And I'm proud of that. And I was just watching the notebook with my daughters last night and my four and I were both sobbing and my nine's like, when is this freaking movie going to be over mom? And Hannah, I am so done with it. And I'm like, as and Hannah's like totally idealizing it. Like that's you and dad. And I'm like, 
well, I like, I take that as a compliment, but like, we're not physical together. Like she pushes him and Hannah's like, yes, but that was her woman's lib. And I'm like, Hannah, don't ever push anybody. Like that is abuse. And so, but I get it. And I understand even some of my clients who have been physical together that some couples are stormier and stormier and more passionate. We've definitely had a lot of that in our marriage in terms of not the physical, but just the passion. And I think my nine is like, oh Lord, I'm, and she does say this, I'm marrying another nine. And I'm like, okay, but let me tell you something. You do have to understand that uh, it's worth fighting for what you need in your marriage. Like if I can tell you that, I told my dad that when he died, that I would take on his fighting nature in a good way. If there's something really worth it in my marriage, I will fight for it. And that is important. And I want all of you guys to do that in a healthy way. And even my nine has to deal with that, which I always say to her, you know, I wish I could give you a perfect family, but I'm going to give you a lot of love. I'm going to make sure that we set boundaries around, you know, our conflicts, but we're going to have conflict sometimes. And I want you to understand that's okay for you in the future. So I'm saying that to all you nines now as well. Don't forget that that's part of life. And we have come so far. And um, I'm really proud of who we are today because we've worked things out and we've mainly done so in a respectful way where we don't do the name calling or especially not physical. And we, we try not to have condemning or critical tones. And this comes with time. So I'm sure when um, my kids will report to their therapist about their marriage as they gr- their parents' marriage, they'll say, at times this person was critical or probably me sometimes in my four zone, too dramatic. But, but they'll also say, I saw a lot of hard work, love, sacrifice, and leaning in. If your kids can say that about you, you're doing a great job and I'm never going to stop working. So it doesn't mean that I'm like, I've arrived, but it's just me saying, there's grace for all of us. We're on this journey and marriage is tough. So please remember that, that it is a step-by-step process. And I never want you to give up on trying to get your self-care and your time with God so that you can lament and be grateful for what you also have, as well as celebrate with your spouse on the big and the little things. Take date nights regularly. doesn't have to be every week, but at least every month or so. I try to say take 10 hours a week together so that you can have some quality time. Try to make sure that you're doing the things that really bless you both, which usually there's at least somebody in the marriage who likes intimacy a lot for their love language. I hate to see when somebody cuts that off because they don't like it. It's probably very important to your spouse. Even if they don't tell you, especially if they're a nine spouse, they might not tell you that they like intimacy. They do, especially nine males. So I want you to be a student of your spouse. That's what I want you to do. And I want you to love them and get to know what they want to. And I think that this episode is long. You might even want to split it up into two sections, but there's a lot of meat for you. So I hope you will enjoy it in that way too. Okay. But for the general tips now. So the three things to make sure you pay attention to, of course, as I've said on other podcasts, are finances, intimacy, and communication. Of course, there are other things, and our surprise guest will talk about one other important thing, but these are the big three that we talk about. And you can revisit my episodes on the big three of communication if you need to refresh on each of these individually. But I'm going to go through them for the early years because I think those are going to be some helpful strategies and tips for you guys 
from the onset of your marriage. And I wish that I had had these tips at the beginning of my marriage. I so wish I'd had these. I had read a lot of books. I had done a lot of training, but I had not really, really incorporated these principles. So I'm especially giving them from that space of I wish I had known this. Les and Leslie Parrott have a great book called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. So I would definitely pick up a workbook. I would definitely pick up the Gottman book, but I would not feel like that is the most important thing. Even more important than that is that you guys work on your styles of communicating in terms of your subtypes. And I said this already for your wedding, but I mean this now for your marriage. And the reason I say that is because you communicate a lot from one of three lenses. Either you want to self-preserve or you want to really be one-to-one a lot or you want to be social a lot. So I would definitely try to figure out which one you lead with and talk to your spouse about ways you can incorporate that for each of your safety feelings. Because even though not everybody is in the thinking triad as like the fives, sixes, or sevens, everybody wants to feel safe and seen in their marriage. So as you're getting engaged, as you're in those first years, try to understand that. And I didn't know that. And I wish I had known that in addition to those general marriage tips. Another thing I really wish I had known is that when you need to withdraw, and sometimes you do, make sure you don't withdraw for more than 30 minutes or so in a fight. And make sure that when you do withdraw, that you give a term of endearment, like I love you, but I need some space or I love you, but I'll be back soon to talk about this. And so that way the person knows that their trauma doesn't have to be enacted just because you're walking away. Another way is through the nonverbal touch, because we know with all the sensory integration studies that a lot of the time communication lines are opened up with healthy touch. Not if you have the spouse who says I'm aversive to touch, that person might just need a withdrawal. But for some of you, you may need a long hug or a back rub for a few minutes and just call me other down that way and say, I can't talk right now, but I can sit with you like Job's friends in the Bible, just sit with each other. Or you might be the one who says, I need to go away for 30 minutes and have my own space and time. Or you might be the one who wants that back rub. But what I want you to remember over all of these possible options is the term of endearment to say, I really care about you but I need this so that your spouse does not take this as a form of abandonment. And that is so critical and key because sometimes you have two withdrawing spouses where they're like, oh, I'm a nine, I'm a five, I'm a four, and I don't see it as that way. But a lot of the times you don't have a spouse like that. You have one of the other six types that don't find their biggest comfort in withdrawing and they might not get that. And you might even be a different type than the three I just mentioned. Um, Sometimes ones like to withdraw, sometimes eights need to withdraw. Every type can be a person who needs some withdrawing time, but there are special types that really need it and thrive on it. And so for them, they're like, oh, that doesn't mean anything bad. I just like to withdraw. And that's fine. But withdrawing for a long time is a really difficult predictor of marriage satisfaction. You have to come back and work on things eventually. So I always try to say that 30 minute window gives you some time to allow your heart rate to cool down. It gives you some time to be able to decompress and then to come back. Try not to wait any more than a couple of hours if at all possible. If you guys are exhausted and it's time for bed, make sure you're kind and say I love you and then commit to getting up early and talking things out if your partner will. If they won't, plan a time that week or hopefully the next day where you guys can talk it out. 
but really don't just withdraw because if you just keep sweeping things under the rug, they won't go away. Even if you're a nine who says, I'm chill, I'm fine. Understand that there's a lot of passive aggressiveness that comes in when we're just saying that and giving lip service and we're not really okay. So we'll go through type by type, but that's a really important tip for starters that I wish I'd had is don't push it too hard or don't, on the other hand, just withdraw and give up. And having been married for almost 20 years, I can tell you that I've done both, and neither of those two are good strategies. So this is a great tip for all of us with communication, that we need to come back, that we need to decompress, and then we need to talk it out. Now, the big tip I have for you about intimacy should not surprise you if you've heard this podcast before, but it is to understand that your spouse is not going to be able to meet all of your sexual needs perfectly, nor are you going to be able to do that for them perfectly. This is a fallen world, and I want you to get to that space. I want you to learn all about each other, but this takes days, months, and years And so the best thing you can do from the start is to be willing to admit it's not perfect and I'm not going to blame you for that. I want to work with you on that and to not lose your temper about that or withdrawal. I definitely don't want you guys to say, let's forget about this area. It's not important. It is important. So you have to continue to really let each other know that you realize you can laugh at yourselves. I heard that in C.S. Lewis's The Four Loves, and I was like, why didn't I read this in my newlywed days? We have to laugh. Sex can be so messy and slippery, and it can be frustrating, and it can be too fast, too slow, not working, working so well that we're exhausted. There are stages of marriage where it's totally exhausting and impractical because you're trying to nurse and you don't want anyone touching you. And there's so many things ahead with sex that are just going to be tough. I don't want to discourage you in that. I just want you to start off not with low expectations because I want you to grow in this area, but I also want you to have a ton of grace for this area. Be willing to laugh and to say, we'll get there. You know, and and sometimes that's a literal, we'll get there. We'll learn to move from Uh, just being aroused to plateauing to finally learning to orgasm together. For some of you, it'll be, we're learning to make it last a little longer or actually speed it up a little or talk to a medical professional because almost half of you will have to do that. So it's okay to need help. It's okay to say, let's go ahead and get one of the great books out there. And we're going to be having Sheila Gregoire is going to be talking to us soon about sex. And that's going to be another great episode. I have a couple of other episodes in the past if you need even more specific tips about sex. But the biggest one is right there. Just give a lot of grace, laugh at yourselves and learn and grow together and be willing to be vulnerable. And that takes a lot of courage. So I hope you have courage because you're going to need it for your marriage. Marriage is a hard work. Okay, the next and final tip for the big three is on finances. And with that, I really want to encourage you to find ways to keep your money safe together. Some of you don't keep your money together, and that's okay, but I want you to know about each other's money so that you can always have that sense for knowing where you're at financially. Even if you're like, oh, we have these complex situations and and that's fine, but I know what 
is going on with our money as a whole. And I know that I have some money that if I want to do something special, that I have the ability to do that with my spouse and they're not trying to control me in that area in an unhealthy way. So that's a great thing to talk about before you get married and after you're married, that we keep our money together, that we try to find places to give that we both enjoy and we work at that because that takes time, that we work at a budget and that takes time too. And you might say, we're going to do the Dave Ramsey course. That's always a good one. Uh, Rachel Cruz, his daughter does amazing work on this area of marriage and you can follow her on Instagram, but you also might just want to really talk to a financial advisor, make sure you have life insurance because you never know in marriage what's going to happen. And those are important steps as well as, like I said, a little bit of money for each of you to be able to do what you want with. And sometimes you're still going to need help because somebody's going to blow the budget and then you're going to have to recover. Or like the movie Up from Disney, you guys are going to have so many things happen over time. And it does seem to be Murphy's Law that they happen together. I think a few months ago we had our dryer go out at the same time as our air conditioner and the same time as our dishwasher. And we were just like, no, but like these things happen, these perfect storms all the time in marriage. So you have have to realize that if you have family with trauma or people asking you to co-sign and a lot of things that we've had over the years, you have to really work at it and make sure that you are growing and not being secretive. We don't want any financial infidelity. So even if you're like, oh, we don't exactly agree, you can say, we're a work in process here. We're going to talk to people about this. We're going to continue to learn and to grow and don't give up. If your spouse says, I don't like sharing our conversations with other people, try to really say, this is the boundary I'm going to set with you. I have to have a space to talk about finances in the marriage. It's so important. I'll give you that half hour to two hours to decompress, but we need to make some plans together so that we can be on the same page. Even if we're going to decide to divide the money up and just know about each other's money, let's make sure that we don't let money become an obstacle in our marriage, but that we're generous to each other. I love to buy things with the money that I make for Wes, and he feels so appreciative of that, but we've had to really grow and tweak over the years and we continue to do that. So don't ever think that uh, finances should just all be on one person, especially as you get to end of life. And I know most of you are like, oh, we're not even close to that, but life does go by fast and things do happen. So be aware, like I said, of life insurance and knowing where things are at and passwords and keeping that vulnerability together, even with the wiggle room of knowing not all couples are exactly the same. So try not to judge your friends if they're different from you and they have prenuptial agreements and keep everything separate and you guys are the cutest, cute as a button couple who does everything together and agrees on everything. There's just a lot of history that people bring. So we have to really be as gracious as we can for not only our spouses, but for others that are different from us in this area. And I hope these resources in the big three have been helpful. And then if you're struggling with in-law issues, which often happens a little bit more at the beginning of marriage because you're just trying to figure things out, make sure you listen to my earlier episode on in-laws because that's so big and we covered so many areas on that episode. And I've done a lot of polls to really work with so many people probably of your personality type. So I've got tips for you guys on every type in terms of in-laws as well. Okay, and as we get into the nine types, remember that if the person has more trauma, these features are going to be more exaggerated. And that's something you don't often know in marriage because you're like, oh, I'm married to a two also. I'm married to a six also. 
and it's like, wait a second, that doesn't sound like my experience at all. And it's probably because we all have varying degrees of trauma that come out in varying ways. So try not to be overly critical of others or yourselves if you find you have more extreme responses and defense mechanisms going or you're more tightly bound to your subtypes because you all have different trauma levels and you can say we need therapy, we need ongoing help with our trauma, we have a lot more we're dealing with. I often have this with spouses where one has more trauma and the other has less and they fell in love and they're doing their work, but it's just a lot harder because one person doesn't have as healthy of defense mechanisms. So you really need to give a lot of grace for that and that's probably the very biggest thing before any little innuendos come out is grace for trauma, understanding to get support for trauma. So, okay, let's get into the nine types for specific marriage tools. I'm excited for this part because I know you are very detailed people who are all different. So I'm going to speak to the ones first about early marriage, and I want to make sure that I'm speaking not only to the ones, but also their spouses. So to the ones, I'll say, make sure that you remember coming into marriage, not to try to change your spouse. You picked them because they are different from you and bring a different gifting. And that is something that I want you to really cherish as you continue to work together for your goals. I definitely don't want you to think that you have to fix them because that is a very common one misnomer. Ones often really feel a big struggle with this feeling of I have to make the world a better place. Um, And that's a beautiful thing. And I do think you're there and you're going to influence your spouse over the years. But I would rather you do that with your example and nonverbals and through encouragement. If you're going to critique, make sure you always do a sandwich critique where you're like, I love this about you. Here's something I'd love to see work with you on. I'd love to see you work on. And then here's another thing I love with you. Um, That's also called shared withholds as a marriage exercise where you share things that you like and you might decide this is our marriage style that we want to say a couple things we love and then something we want to see our spouse work on. Um, And then we just have to say thank you after that. You might want to take a Sunday evening every week to do a marriage maintenance check where you guys check in about things and even spreadsheet it a little bit. You can go to enneagramandmarriage.com and see that. I have a freebie section with some different ideas for you guys to have conversations about marriage maintenance. You might decide to do marriage work with a coach where you get to talk things out. So ones, I'm not telling you that you can't work on things. I'm just telling you in general, really season that with love and tons of grace. And remember that you're going to need to get out in nature a lot. You're going to need to take a lot of deep breaths and five second pauses. You're going to need to hit the punching bags. I don't want you guys bringing your anger into the point that you cut off sex that you uh, start to have an affair, that you hit the bottle too much. These are things I see ones do over the years that I want to be really careful with you about that you make sure that you are doing your self-care, that you're speaking back to that inner critic when they're condemning you too much, and that you're remembering that your spouse typically doesn't critique you that much. Typically a one spouse, and and now I'm going to transition to talking to the one spouse, typically you know that your one has a loud inner critic, so you're not super hard on them. So ones remember that they are thinking about that with you, and they don't want to be harped on either. But one spouses, you don't get to be totally quiet to your one. I've made that mistake many times in my marriage and continue to sometimes where you think, 
think, I don't want to stir the pot. I don't want to critique them. So you don't say anything at all when you're frustrated. And that's another mistake. So you do need to understand to be encouraging and gracious to your one, but understand that at some point you do have to understand anger is okay. And they do have anger. That is something they struggle with. And anger can be healthy, but one struggle with it. So knowing that their anger is okay, that they are entitled to it, that you can't control the fact that they're probably going to have anger, but that you can say, I still have issues. I still have needs and I'm going to express them. And that is, like I said, so hard. Sometimes I recently had to do that with Wes and I had to show up with my anger and I hate doing that, but it was important. And I, and I was fighting for my marriage and for us when I did it. So please try to remember that you're fighting for you guys when you do that. And he was surprised. And I said, I get to be angry right now. I am, I'm going to be angry because I never am and I am and I know you are too because you always are but I am right now and I need to be heard and I think that ones are like actually Wes is never usually mad when I do that he's probably like oh my gosh you're human I'm not the only one to get mad so it's almost this opposite reaction sometimes you get from your ones when you finally do show up with some of the anger and I'm even saying that to eights because eights and ones together have a lot of anger but ones can handle the eights anger ones are very tough people so they can handle your anger don't forget to do it in love. I don't try to call names. I don't try to insult Wes when I'm angry, but I try to work on things specifically so that my one knows, okay, I see you. I love you, but I have issues and here's what they are. Okay. So twos, I want you guys to remember that your spouse loves to adore you. They love to see how you care for the world, but they don't have the same passion you do for helping the world. So obviously, you know, you're going to have to take into account the fact that you choose a lot of places and people to help and your spouse will sometimes feel left out of that or pushed into that. So I want you to make sure that you make enough room and time for just you and your spouse to have fun and that you settle down and slow down for that and you don't try to just rope them into helping or even in many cases fostering or adopting kids because you have an insatiable desire to help the world. And even saying that I feel guilty because I realize there are children that need to be cared for. So I just want you to be cognizant of not pushing somebody who doesn't want to do that into doing it and manipulating because a child doesn't want to come into an environment where they're not wanted. So you do have to understand as much as it's important to help the world, you've got to do it in a way that is healthy and safe for your marriage. So if your spouse says, I won't adopt or foster a child or a pet, or I don't want the grandmother to move in or the mother, or I don't want to be part of this or that missions trip, you've got to take that into account that one of your greatest missions is to help your spouse. So try to turn your helping desires toward your spouse a lot of the time too, so that you can really be empowered to consider what they'd like to do. And then you can ask them, and this is for spouses of twos, for words of affirmation that reach outside of just, I love you because you help the world. But giving your two some sense of, here's what I love about you, even outside of that helping. And they might even need to create an affirmation journal where they start to think, okay, I'm great because God loves me and so-and-so feels like I have this or that gift because a lot of times twos don't think about their own feelings. They don't think, sometimes they're thinking inhibited and they don't know what they're good at or they don't know their worth outside of that giving. So you're inviting them in by saying, hey, let me invite you in to see yourself from a different view. 
that you're pretty special. And here's what I love. They feel so good usually about words of affirmation. So don't be shy to give those. Don't be shy to tell them when you need some space and time from helping because you're tired. But also don't forget that helping brings you to such love. So keep a balance of helping always in your relationship. Okay, threes, you love to have a spouse that you have won, that you have achieved. That And I think that's really fun for everybody to be like, oh my gosh, like look at what a wonderful spouse I have. But sometimes you might want that to show off and you might forget that there's a person with you, not just an object to be, um, to be doted upon, but an actual person with feelings and needs and get that gets hurt when they feel like you objectify them or that you tune out and work all the time and just think that I'm providing for you so I hope you're happy or we're checking off the list I'm doing my marriage as a checklist um your spouse can read it if you're just using them as arm candy or if you're just checking the box so make sure that you invest heart time and put your phone face down in another room and just break other commitments that are work related that in a responsible way you can say look i'm not going to die i'm not my I'm not going to get fired if i spend some time with my spouse my worth does not just come through my personal achievements just as we said with the two their worth doesn't just come through helping yours doesn't just come through personal achievements at work so make sure that even if you're feeling great about things and you're making great money that you don't forget about your person right with you and their needs because they will sometimes let their world revolve around you and they will get tired of it eventually and they will get flustered. And so you have to do your marriage maintenance. You have to realize if you're not giving your heart, you know, it will come out. And I also want threes to get to know themselves better to thine own self be true. But who are you three? Get to know yourself and what you truly like to do. Don't just become a chameleon of what your spouse wants you to be or the boss wants you to be or your clients want you to be. If you're the boss, a lot of threes are the boss, but really take time to understand if I love fishing and nobody else does in my world, that's okay. If I love wearing fuchsia and that's not the color that's in, I'm still going to wear it. Try to be yourself. It will help you and your spouse to be calmer, more present, more confidence will come from within versus just the ambiance and the show. And that will be a deeper, richer enjoyment to just say, I'm loved because I'm here and God made me just this way. And there is something unique about me and you can lean into your floor wing a little bit and find that uniqueness. And then for those spouses of the three, make sure you understand that sometimes your three gets harsh, but then hopefully you can ask them to come around later and say, I see you're softer now. Can you, can we talk about what was harsh earlier? I noticed that uh, you were on edge, but I really want to make sure that now that we're having fun together, that we can go into that heart space together and just acknowledge it with your three. Say, no, being vulnerable about your heart isn't always easy. You're so good at reading the hearts of others, but I want to get to know your heart and I love you for things outside of just your performance. This is the way to your three's heart. So I love that for you guys. I hope it goes well. Fours, I want you to understand that while your partner needs to know your uniqueness and your moods, those moods can come back to hurt you if you don't apologize when you're in the wrong or if you just say, my spouse is going to have to deal with it, that I'm not only an idealist, but I'm a realist at times and I talk about the dark things and I'm victimized and they're going to have to deal with that. Um, and I've done this before because I really have a strong 
relationship to for myself. So I know that that's important to be authentic and to let your spouse know when you are feeling like things aren't good, but it can really be hard on a marriage if you don't come around and work together and you just say, look, I'll never be able to trust you or love you again if you hurt me. They're going to say, I love your tragedy to a point because you bring me the depths, but it may sell in the tabloids and it does. Certainly Shakespeare is a great example of how tragedy sells, but it does not sell in a marriage to be completely tragic and victimized. So don't forget Suzanne Stabile's tip on two episodes ago when she said, be the victim, but also the victor in your stories for so that your spouse hears that you're happy that they're working on things and that you can tell a narrative that is brighter and that you can work your way out of a dark mood and write your routines down and let them see you in action and not just despondency. And then spouses of fours understand that your spouse is very gifted with sitting in the deep places and they are very good at feeling for others compassionately and themselves. So you might have to understand you've got to take the bad with the good that that you're grateful that they do really go to those deep places. And yes, invite them into your fun, cheerful modes too. Fours love their cheerful times too. People don't know that fours have a variety of emotions and often really love comedy. And it may be sarcastic comedy or dry wit, but they often really love lots of different moods. It's not just sadness. So enjoy the routines, enjoy building your four up. Sometimes they have a low self-esteem and that's a beautiful gift to give them is how much you love them and find them to be unique. But even when they're not unique, you still love them. And also just allowing them into your inner heart space yourself. That is a gift your four wants to know so that they don't feel alone in their angst. But then you can encourage them and help them to rise up out of that. And if you can't get them out of that and they need to just be in their funk, sometimes you can do things without them and say, I love how you are so deep and so passionate, but I also need to have some joy today. So I'm going to sit with you for a few minutes and maybe we'll drink coffee and surmise together on how we wish things were brighter. But but you know what? Now I need to work or now I need to make sure that I am being uplifted in my workout or I'm going to get back to uh, something funny because I need that. And oftentimes your four will join you. I know my four, when she's down in the dumps, sometimes I will lament with her. I'm learning to lament longer and to let her have her moods. But I'm also learning that she really likes comedy. And a lot of people nowadays really like uh, obviously YouTube and Vines and things like that. So she will like a very short clip or something funny to just make her rise up out of things. And it's not even something I would think of because I like deep things too, but she really likes just little funny clips from a show like The Office or uh, Seinfeld to make her feel like she's you know, able to find a lift off from somewhere else than besides from within because four can't always get their lift off internally. They need to have an external help. So just a little clip could be going a long way or of course a workout or something. Into our analytical people, five, sixes, and sevens, we have to remember that they have a deep, rich inner world and they need to think a lot. I think of the movie my son and I were just watching, Walter Mitty. Uh, I hope you get a chance to watch that movie. Oh my gosh, it's one of our all time favorites. And when we have the rest of the family gone, like we did this weekend, my girls were at a a very COVID healthy type of youth event. I was so happy after over a year of not having anything big like that. They were able to do a two-day conference where they were wearing masks and social distancing, but really getting to do something all day for two days and having been ripped from all social things except for dance classes that were socially distanced. This was a huge treat. And um, 
they just loved it. But my son and I are so similar, both thinkers. And so we were looking at each other when Wes was gone and we were like, what do we do? Because we were like, this is so funny. So we usually go into some kind of a movie or Lord of the Rings mode or an activity. But this time we went into The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. That's based on an old literature story, but it's basically you probably know Ben Stiller humor, and it is just exactly my son and I's personality because Ben is such a five or six in this movie, and we just love it because he has this deep, rich inner world where he imagines everything, and then he becomes courageous in all of his imaginations, and that's what's going on with your thinker most of the time is they have a lot of things that they scare themselves about. So they need to be reminded of their courageous moments by you, by great books and epic stories or fun movies like Walter Mitty. And he even imagines that he has the disease where you age rapidly if you've seen that movie. And and then um, he becomes very small and shriveled. And one of my son's favorite lines is when uh, Kristen Wiig, or Kristen Wiig, however you say that, says to him, just nestle in and die. (laughs) And it's just like so funny because they think that's what a five, six or seven thinks sometimes is we need our safe little place so we can just shrivel up and get old and die and like, you know, just be obliterated and not have to worry anymore. And it's very cryptic, but it's very funny when you have that dry wit where you're just like, why would that be your fantasy? So I think that if you can laugh and then be courageous and live life to the fullest in that Jean-Paul Sartre kind of experiential way, as well as continue to help your five, six, or seven to remain loving, then that's a good start because you want to be safe, but you want to be loving and giving. You don't want to just be safe. So that's a word for you guys as thinkers that you have to not just be safe, but to give and to love every single day. And fives, that starts with you guys saying, yes, I want my personal space every day after work. And your spouses need to hear that and know that, but they also need to understand that you as fives need to come and reach out and say, there will be a synergy. I'm going to give you fives, a little reminder that there's a whole neuroscience of giving and you can look it up if you want to. I know fives love to look things up. The happiness trifecta that helping others triggers a release of oxytocin that boosts your mood and counteracts cortisol. There are mirror neurons when you're smiling at people that get enacted and both the giver and the receiver can directly impact the others in positive ways. And so it's just so important for you to understand that empathy and helping others will be a blessing to you too. And so don't forget that so that you're not discouraged about that. Um, I also want to let you sixes know that what's important for you to remember is you need your thinking time. And that was a really important tip for me too that I've learned later from my six wing that you really need to take some time away. You can't just directly and aggressively go there on everything your spouse and you need to work out all at once. You need your time to verbally process with yourself in the mirror or in your shower or in your car or with your therapist, but you need time to think things through and to process before you can go back to your spouse and more than likely six, your spouse does get tired of tirades sometimes or your premarital spouse. And they say, look, I I know that you care very deeply and I love your loyalty, but I also need a break from the ongoing tirade. And so admit it. I need it too. And I have to go and figure out what I'm even trying to say and communicate and what I need to feel safe. 
And so understand that when the plans change, this is exactly what you need to do because that's when a six gets triggered and that's when my six wing gets triggered. And it's been triggered a lot lately because in Florida, we have a lot of people who come at this time of year, the winter, where sometimes a lot of my extra plans get sabotaged because really important people come into the state and people don't even know when they want to travel to Florida because they're just like, okay, I just hit my wall and I need to get down there. And sometimes they're important people from our lives, but the plans shift and change. And Wes and I are very social and have been for many years. So we have so many friends from various churches and grad school and college and family. He has over 100 cousins, literally, because his grandmother had 11 children and then they had a lot. And then there's grands from that. So you have so many people that you know and care about, especially if you're married to a social subtype like me. So it's very important that you sixes understand when the plans do shift and change as they do when people step into town, you have to be able to really roll with that and say, let me take some time to think so that your spouse doesn't say, gosh, you're controlling or, you know, don't you understand that you set your plans before God and then each day will work out as it needs to work out. So that's an important thing for spouses of six to realize that your six feels out of control when that happens and you need to give them time to think and to plan and to prep, even if it's like, okay, they're coming tomorrow. Say to your six, I know this is throwing you off, but but take some time. And then as the six, take some deep breaths, do some star breathing if you need to, up your hand, down your hand, tracing each finger, breathing in and out if you need to. But don't forget to breathe, uh, perhaps work out if you need that workout right then, but especially to take some time away to re-strategize. You're gonna have to reset your whole game plan. That's what I have to do. I mean, just for a quick example, we had three different people this week say they're coming between Sunday to Sunday that were an important cousin, my best friend from childhood, and also uh, the girl, the kid's nanny from Michigan, who is one of my dearest friends, had a new baby. And so we've traveled together across the country. I'm not going to not see her. We've My best friend and I grew up together, but she needed a quick day or two in Florida. I'm not going to not see her. And then my husband wanted to see his cousin. So you have to be able to, as a six wing or a six or just anybody in your state, and in your hometown, it might be that you're a pastor and there's things that come up. And we can remember Jesus in the Bible having this all the time too. But you have to discern some of the things you can't do and some of the things you can do. But when your spouse says, I need you at a certain event, you do want to try to give it an extra push and try to say, if I can do it, I will because I care about you, but I just need a little bit of time to think. And with me, it was so precious to get to see my old best friend. Boy, was that so much fun. And getting into seven, um, boy, dude, we get into a lot of mischief. She was a four and I was a seven and she had stories about me that I had forgotten. She's like, remember when we used to go on the back of my dad's shed and climb onto the roof? And I'm just like, oh, wow. Uh, you know, oh my gosh. So sometimes hopefully you're evolved by the time you're getting married because sometimes you hear these childhood stories about yourself and you're like, oh, wow. Like I Wow. Um, I'm sure you guys are not that way, some of you. And you're like, no, I never did that, Krista. But some of you surely know what I'm talking about, especially as we get into seven here. So as we get into seven, I think it's important that we say sevens need to remember that the way they find safety is very unique. They find it through freedom, through independence, through going their own way and through taking care of themselves. And that can look like staying busy or traveling. I mean, I've told you over the years how now I rest every day. Um, I've told you over the years how my gluttony caught up with me after eating a huge baked potato with butter and sour cream every day of high school or college. I'm sorry, high school was a can of Coke and Doritos. These things 
things catch up with you as you get older as a seven anyway, but you're never not going to want to travel. You're never not going to want to to live life to the fullest because you are an experiential thinking type and you do enjoy planning times to enjoy yourself between the hard work. So your spouse needs to know that, but you also need to know that they don't always want to follow your route. And as a seven, you are one of the more assertive, aggressive types. So you need to remember that your spouse doesn't always want to do things your way. And sometimes you can do it by yourself. A young seven usually wants to do everything together. And that'll change later as you learn to go into your five space of focus. But you also need to understand that sometimes you have to, especially if you have the six wing, make sure you adjust to their needs too. Make sure you remember, although you can take care of yourself, you married somebody. When you marry somebody, you have to consider their needs too. So that's super important. Evans, I want to advise you to be very patient because at the beginning of your relationship, one of my funny stories is that it's so bad. It was when we were getting ready to, we just had done our graduate school and we were buying our first house. Ridiculous that we were buying our first house because we were rushing it. We were like, oh, we live in Chicago. Krista's mom had a stroke. We need to get back to Michigan, to Detroit. So let's buy a quick starter house. Okay, our being near our families was noble and being near this amazing church we went to at the time was noble. Oh my gosh, I miss Trinity Church so bad. It was such an eclectic church, such an arts and culture church, such a mix of Republicans and Democrats church, just working together to love God. Man, was that good, taking communion every week. And we had gone just before grad school. So we were going back to a great church and families and all that. We were rushing to buy a house and we were so silly to do that. But what was also even worse was I brought my seven into it, which was very impulsive. And so we stepped into this one house. I'll never forget it. And a West immediately saw, and I've mentioned this a little bit before, but he looked around at the house and he's like, you know, this is not a good house. I can see every detail. And those of you who are married to detailed ones or fives or sixes, you know what I'm talking about and eights and pretty much every type, but maybe sevens. And so I was just, it was sometimes we get excited. And so I was just like stars in my eyes about this house. And Wes was like, it's not good. It's in this very loud neighborhood, which would not do well for him or me ultimately, because you all need rest. And it's, it's falling apart. It's filled with asbestos. I mean, just so many things that I was trying to rationalize and, oh, we'll get that fixed. It's no big deal. And not really like kind of being that joke that Suzanne Stabile said sevens do like I'll help everybody else, but I'm not even going to try for something good for me. So I'm so glad I had a partner who was able to say, we're not moving into this house. So we did find a really good house. But even as I think back on the house, um, being a words person, the house was on a street called Warmer. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to live on a street called Warmer being a words person. Like that was just too much. So I was settling for absolutely mud puddles when I could have a holiday at sea, as C.S. Lewis would say. So be aware, seven. Sometimes your people are trying to prevent you sleep on things. They're trying to prevent you from having a really bad experience. And you have to take a pause and stay in the moment with not rushing into things. And that will be to your benefit. I would never do that now, by the way. I'm completely different in that way. But I have to say this. This is an episode for those who are kind of beginning things. So be cautious and take your time. 
and then the spouse of the seven, make sure that you understand that your seven feels afraid of big feelings. So if you say, I'm disappointed in you, or I'm angry with you, they might go from zero to 100 very quickly and want to avoid that. And I've shared about how I wanted to avoid that because sometimes my dad's anger was unstable. So when Wes's anger was present, I didn't know how to stay with it. I still don't always know how to stay with it. So it's an ongoing lifelong process to work with our old defense mechanisms as sevens that told us anger and sadness was not going to be helpful and to really realize sometimes they really are necessary and helpful to protect your marriage. So you've got to talk about the hard things. Your spouse may want to talk about uh, how are you going to set boundaries? How are you going to make sure that you guys stay committed and faithful to one another? How are you guys going to um, pay your bills? Whatever it might be, you have to sit in for the hard talks too, even if you have to sit on your hands. And I liked how Suzanne Stabile said, take them out for a meal, let their gluttony get enacted, and then you can have a talk. But end it and start it with positives if you can with your seven. Okay, now eights, I want you guys to remember that your vulnerability is very uncomfortable for you, but sometimes it needs to show through. You're already a helper. You're already full of energy. You've got a lot of great things you want to give to the family, but sometimes your ideas are so big that you want it to be done your way because you have such a distinct sense of right and wrong, and you really want to make sure that you understand that your perspective is not the only perspective out there, and so super big for eights to know it's not always a hero and a villain thing. You're not always right, and they're always wrong. It's just that you have these different agreements and disagreements. So make sure you compromise. Make sure you listen. Make sure you don't take up all the space in the room, but that you're a good listener and that you're a good pauser. And of course, I empathize with you when I hear eight say, people keep telling me not to be too big, but it's just that. It's not that you're mean. It's just that you need to understand to be fair. And you do understand fairness as an eight. So you want to be fair and you want to remember that although your vulnerability was once not an asset to you, it is now because you chose a safe person in most cases. And even if your spouse isn't perfect, do understand that no human is perfect. No one is able to be trusted 100%. But generally speaking, you probably chose well for a spouse. And even if they let you down, I know as an eight, you'll be fine and you'll be able to find your way through. And you know that too. So you don't have to guard yourself so heavily. Remember that you're already strong. Being vulnerable is healthy and actually going to help your marriage to be strong. So saying I'm sad or I'm afraid or I'm really struggling here. um, It's going to help your spouse to be endeared to you because they're going to say, wow, they're human. They're not just this machine with all this energy or anger, but they care and they're soft underneath all of that. So I know that's important. I also know your withdrawal time is important. So spouses of eights, when they say they've got an issue to talk about, sometimes it goes great and you guys figure it out and you're very logical. Please try to be logical for your eight spouse. But when it doesn't go great, try to give your eight some space and allow them some time for healing but eights, please don't try to take days. Try to take just a half hour to an hour. Let's get through this. Let's not belabor it. Let's not try to hold a grudge. Like I said, trust will have to come back anyway. And you'll have to remember that you'll be fine on your own in terms of you can still protect yourself and show some love and respect to your spouse and come back. So that's a huge conversation. Listen to the whole eight episode if you need more. 
Okay. Nines. You guys are so kind and accommodating a lot of the time in marriage. When it's an important issue to you, I want you guys to have a cue that you can let people know this is important to me. And what a spouse can do is say, if if your nine says a lot of things like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine about the things you ask them, make sure you find a way to say, is this really fine? Or is this something you're going to be passive aggressive about? And if a nine is really passive aggressive, I want you to own that and say, you know what, this issue is really important to me. And sometimes I'm not vulnerable with you because when I am, you don't seem to do what I want you to do. I know that takes a lot of courage for you nines, but it's very important that you say it so that your family understands that you are present, that you are in your life, you're attending to what is important right now, and you are definitely still going to be chill about the things that truly don't matter to you. But the whole point that Suzanne shared with me a few episodes ago was nines know what they want, but sometimes they don't tell. And so just make sure you don't cut yourself out or stop yourself from being part of your own life. And remember that showing up for yourself is going to be very attractive for your spouse and very healthy for you. A lot of nines I find later in life who haven't been able to do that much are on heavy anxiety meds because they are doing their best to love others first. And I love that about them and God loves them and I'm glad for anxiety meds. But even better is when you can say, you know what, I'm showing up for me. Here's what I think I need, or at least I need some time to consider what I need. Ask your spouse to give you a few options. And if you're the spouse, you might even say, gosh, I've been making all the decisions lately. Let's put out a few options and I'm gonna let you pick from those. And something your nine might say is, I don't know what I want, but I do know what I don't want when you're picking options. And when I say options, it could be anything from a house you're going to move into to a a design in your home to just going out to eat. But either way, let your nine be part of that. And the nines, you've heard me say it before, make sure you get your body work in so that you guys are also attending to waking up. And that will help you to wake up quite a bit. That cardio element is especially important, but a lot of nines love their yoga. And you know what? We're not going to change our egos in a day. I love my cardio work as a seven. You love your yoga as a nine. We're not going to, of course, I'm slowing down now. So I'm like, my cardio work has to be much shorter, but like, you know, I still like it and you still like your yoga, but we also need to understand to challenge ourselves to wake up in different ways or to rest in different ways. We need different movements. So that's huge. And I want you to make sure that you attend to your spouse's needs, but yours too, because we love you nines. And I know your spouse wants to know how you're feeling and thinking and doing. So those are the big tips for you guys. And now we're finally to our surprise guest with our last big tip for marriage. And this one is my husband, Wes. And I'm so thankful he came on this episode on a whim. I am so grateful because he was not prepped. And that is so not a one thing to come on to an episode and not be prepped. But he was so chill. Our kids were gone today. My husband was just so happy to be able to um, to rest with me. And then I'm like, hey, do you want to do this podcast with me? And he was up for it. So give him a lot of credit for not being a podcaster, coming on, and then adding in a great tip that he learned. I believe he learned this from His Needs, Her Needs, because there was a, um, of course, you guys all know the five love languages, but 
Willard Harley from His Needs, Her Needs, yet one more great resource for marriage that a philosophy professor told us about years back. Um, His Needs, Her Needs adds a different element and Wes remembered it. So I was so happy he did. I'm going to let you hear from him now. And he's going to tell us some tips for guys. So I'm giving you all these tips and he is going to add in one that is totally one that I was forgetting. So I am so glad I asked him to come up with something for the guys and of course the ladies too. You guys can listen in and tell your guys if you He's not listening. Hey, Wes, I'm so glad to have you here with me. Hey, babe. Um, Yeah, so I was just thinking about it. You asked me to think of if I had some advice for a newlywed groom. This is something I've learned after being married for 20 years, that you want to make your wife, your bride, feel safe, and you also want to keep her happy. So in terms of keeping her safe, I would say... You want to be putting her first and let her know and make it obvious that you put her first. And, you know, I mean, we would, we all say we would, I would die for this girl. She's, I love her so much. I would die for her. But you need to show that in the little everyday things, you know, by putting her first sacrificially in, in letting her choose this or letting her have the first of this or, or whatever it is every single day and putting her first so that she knows that she's going to be provided for and that's going to make her feel safe. I think that's just like a like a universal woman thing, you know, regardless of personality security, type. don't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we so, love that first slice of pizza if we're sevens. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to use that example, but... <laughs> Pretty much you don't get to like have the choice uh, over your own plate. But. First choice of the Netflix show. <laughs> yeah, right. Mr. Dude Perfect. <laughs> okay, so, uh, but then, you know, not only are you going to be committed to her and showing her this to make her feel safe, but you want to enjoy marriage together. And that's easy for the first year or so, you know, but it takes it takes effort for any human being, uh, any couple of human beings together as the years pass. And so you want to keep things fresh. And this is maybe especially true for my seven that I'm married to, but you got to keep things fresh. And so we have had a lot of fun coming up with creative ways of being active together. I mean, we've always loved exercising together, running. We've done, I don't know how many 5K races. Some of them even crazy ones where we get to dress up in superhero <laughs> costumes. We love that. And we've looked for different sports to play together, like tennis. And she taught me how to play tennis. Mm-hmm. Didn't, basketball wasn't the best because I always pound her into the paint. <laughs> and it's I like to easy. watch you play basketball, though. That's fun. I let her win sometimes. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> so but we have been creative in writing mystery dinner party game kits together and playing them with our friends. And we've done that I don't know how many times. And that's been a really fun way to just be a little zany and crazy and uh, just do something different, you know. And we've done a lot of traveling, which my seven has loved. <laughs> and so you got to look for really creative and fun ways to keep things interesting and to have fun together so that you're actually live, living happily ever after and not just uh, like a ball and chain. Mm, so these are, these are the two biggest things I think. Make her feel safe, loved, provided for, and show her a good time. Mm, thank you. That is so much fun. I love those tips. Yeah. <laughs> you're like you're, you're always planning another one. So <laughs> Croatia. Yeah, right now we're planning for our 20-year anniversary. We're going to be going hopefully back to Santa Barbara, L.A., and up to the Redwoods, where Wes has always wanted to go. 
So I'm so excited for that trip, hopefully this June, if we have the opening with COVID and everything like that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, you want to stay safe, but you want to also make sure to take advantage and have a good time if you can. Okay, so I'm so glad Wes got to come on. That was a really cool little merging of my worlds because I'm always recording on a weekday. So it was fun to do this on a Saturday, but I love my husband so much. It is literally like I'm an eight in terms of like, oh my gosh, like it's so hard to go deep myself. So I know I ask my clients to do this all the time. I know I'm asking you to do this, but me on air in front of thousands, it's hard. (laughs) So I do my best, but I especially do my best when it's just Wes and I to be vulnerable. Don't forget to check out the Instagram if you want to see all the other couples. And then don't forget if you are a young married to get not only the books and resources, and I'll include them in the show notes, but also I have glow guides that I created with some friends of mine that are very detailed for you and your partner. If you are a three and a five, or maybe a six and an eight, whatever your two types are, we really have researched with this Enneagram and marriage community for now years. And we are, I love it that we're in the plural years, not just like a whole year, but we've done a lot of polls and research and even bigger community research. So we really have a lot of information for you for your exact pairing. And I hope that you will truly enjoy those at enneagramandmarriage.com so that you can find your detailed Enneagram glow guide and find ways you guys can shine out together in the world uniquely. And I'm just so glad we got to do this episode. So congratulations on your engagement or your newlywed days, or if you're like me and you've been around the block a few times, then I hope you got a refresher today. I always love this community so much. It's such a highlight of my week and I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. I know now we're all in the thick of it. So I'll see you guys next week with the wonderful in-between marriage 3-3 glow pairing. Cannot wait to have Daniel and Christina M on. They have an amazing marriage ministry and I can't wait to talk about their 3-3 power glow. So I'll see them next week and I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.